Welcome to Under the Lens. Come and enjoy an extraordinary, raw, and unfiltered podcast that delivers debate, discussions, and interviews about film, pop culture, and everything in between. Here is your host, film critic and journalist, Byron Lafayette. Hey all, and welcome to Under the Lens. So happy that you're able to join us today. Uh, I have a, a very special guest with me today, uh, Black Nerd Magic. Uh, he is a film critic in the uh, Seattle region, and he has appeared and he writes for the uh, Feeling Film podcast. He has agreed to come on today and discuss a, a very controversial film uh, in the pantheon of Hollywood, uh, which is uh, The Matrix 3 or Matrix Revolutions. Uh, this film uh, released a number of years ago uh, and is, uh, let's just say, not exactly remembered fondly. Uh, it has its fans, though, and uh, which is one reason I wanted him to come on today so that we could kind of just go over the film a little bit and talk about uh, what we liked, what we didn't like. So uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, no problem, man. I'm happy to be on, especially talking about The Matrix, because while we can say it's a polarizing series, it's always an interesting conversation to have. This is 100% true, you know, because, uh, you know, The Matrix is is and was, you know, a very, very influential film series, especially the first one. I mean, it, it really it really kind of opened our eyes to what action movies could be in terms of script and, and just how they were made. Yeah. And also, you know, not only was it landmark, you know, as far as for the action genre, but also it carried these deep philosophical themes that have been studied and that have been, you know, talked about for over 20 years at this point. Um, I remember the first time watching The Matrix, you're, you're kind of googly eyed for the action, the bullet time and all of the, uh, you know, just the just a different feel, the different unique feel of it. But once you go back and rewatch it over and over again, you start to get these deep themes and these messages and these things that go in parallel with real, with real life and the issues we face in our society today. And you start to get a greater understanding of how this series has become as popular as it has been. Yeah, I 100% agree with you because it was interesting because I hadn't seen the uh, the trilogy for a long time. Like I, I want to say, I believe I I had seen it maybe about 10 years ago or so. And I remember really enjoying it and just kind of like I was like, whoa, this is like so, so different and so cool. And then, you know, when uh, Resurrections was announced, I was like, OK, I got to go go back and, and rewatch these again and, uh, you know, watch them over the course of about the last three weeks or so. And you know, just seeing the first one over again, it was just, it was so incredible, you know, you know, because especially back then, you know, we, we didn't have action movies with these deep philosophical themes and theological themes and, you know, asking these weighty questions, you know, and, and it was just, it was incredible, especially the first one. And even, I believe that was continued on into Reloaded, which, you know, isn't as well regarded <laughs> as the first one, <laughs> um, you know, but it still, it still delivers uh, in a, in a lot of uh, areas. Um, but, you know, one thing that I, I think is very interesting, you know, is that, uh, you know, we're here to, to talk about, you know, uh, revolutions a little bit here. And, 
you know, this is this was a film trilogy, you know, back in the day that had a beginning, middle and ending. You know, it, it wasn't like the whole, you know, cinematic universes that we're seeing nowadays where things are, you know, being kind of a drug out, left open, you know, not really closing things off. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, as I was rewatching these, it was just so interesting to see, you know, this kind of bookended trilogy versus versus a universe i don't know i just thought it was kind of it was just interesting kind of looking back on a different period of time yeah and also people forget that the matrix reloaded was released six months before revolution so it's kind of like you almost had like um i hate to bring this up but i'm gonna use this as a comparison like you remember twilight where they had breaking dawn part one then they had part two and then they had avengers infinity war and then they had endgame but the Matrix Reload and Revolutions were only six months apart. So, I mean, I can't imagine during this era. I mean, I was around for this era, but I was just a little kid during this time. But I couldn't imagine the hype and the anticipation and the excitement that it was following, you know, not only just the Matrix as a whole, but these two films because they were released in such a short period of time. And while it can be said that Reload and Revolutions are not that strong, and I typically do agree, I felt that Reload and Revolutions were kind of going for more of that blockbuster feel, but the first one was able to combine that blockbuster feel, but also be always about the story, always about the world building, and, you know, able to flesh out, you know, the characters and understanding Neo's place within this whole thing and his fate and everything. And I think Reload and Revolutions kind of went towards, oh, hey, we got all these cool new gadgets. We got all these explosions. We got all these slow motion fights for you. The battle of 100 agents built against one Neo, we have all that for you. And, you know, for most people, they still consider that as, they still consider that great. But these two sequels were kind of like, they're cool, but they don't really reach the level of the first film. No, you know, I, I would agree with that, you know, because, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, when I was rewatching, it's like, you know, I, I love Reloaded because I was like, you know, like you said, oh, it's 100 Smiths, you know, and just all this stuff. And it, it you know, it, it does in a, in a sense what every sequel should do, you know, of, you know, upping the, the stakes, you know, upping the action, upping the effects and everything. But there is a little bit lost, um, you know, because, you know, obviously the first one was such a hit that it was kind of like, hey, you know, they got all this extra budget, you know, to be able to spend. And mm-hmm. and especially, you know, with with the Wachowskis, you know, they they are always pushing the limit, you know, of what they could do. And especially when I was watching Reloaded that I felt like I was like, oh, wow, it's, it's incredible what they were pushing to do with special effects back then, you know, um, you know, because obviously nowadays, you know, it's like we see like Age of Ultron, whatever, like having 100 enemies, you know, versus your hero is not really that big a deal <laughs> nowadays. But back then having that all special effects was huge, you know, um, and uh, it was kind of funny, but there was one one person I read online and, and this is kind of officially now my head canon. Um, that they were like, oh, you know, the special effects are a little wonky during the during the Smith Neo fight in Reloaded, and they said, but I like to think about it as those fights were not meant to exist in the Matrix, and so the Matrix was glitching out, and that's and it was it was <laughs> and it was low rendered, <laughs> and I was like, that's a good theory. I was like, okay, that, that's my new head canon now. So, <laughs> um, but going back a little bit to what you said, because I, you know, that is, I'm so glad you brought up the release date. Um, you know, between Reloaded and, and Revolutions, uh, because I think it's so interesting to see, you know, two films that were released in such a short period of time. 
Um, you know, cause nowadays we see, you know, anywhere from, you know, three to five years, sometimes between sequels, um, down to like what infinity war and Endgame, where it was a year. Um, but we almost never see films, you know, released within the same year for the sequels. And I think that was very, very interesting. And I can kind of see though, a little bit of why they were doing it. Cause when I finished reloaded and then, um, went to watch, uh, revolutions, you know, it really was kind of almost that force awakens last Jedi almost of like starting right where the other one ended, you know, like no downtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, revolution just picks up right after, um, reload ends. And that's something you don't often see with sequels. Most times sequels will kind of jump to a, to an earlier, they'll either jump to an earlier time period or they'll jump to a future time period, still continue on with the story, but not immediate like reloaded and revolution's handoff was. No, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I can definitely imagine that there was probably, you know, back then, you know, a lot of hype, you know, with especially how how reloaded ended, um, you know, because it was very it was very much that cliffhanger ending. Um, you know, even though I'd already seen him before, you know, <laughs> when I finished reload, I was like, oh, man, I want to go and watch, you know, revolutions immediately now. Um, you know, but so, you know, overall, you know, um, what are your overall feelings for for uh revolutions before we kind of jump into what we liked and disliked what's your overall feel uh for it overall my feelings have changed for revolutions i remember when it first came out and could also be me being a kid and you know not watching enough movies as it was at the time but i didn't really like revolutions i thought that it was um say boring and that it kind of ended in a way that you saw coming it was very anticlimactic but going back and you know rewatching it over the last month, I kind of I kind of understand what Revolution serves as. It serves as a epilogue. It serves as a as a really ending to the whole Matrix story, and I can appreciate that. We finally see Neo conquer, you know, and achieve what he was set out to achieve. If you want to call it fate, call it what you will. But Neo Neo finally became who he was destined to be, who Morpheus believed him to be, the one. And you saw these unsung heroes in Zion, you know, these supporting characters. It's not just Neo that comes and saves the day. It's a lot of supporting characters that are sacrificing and that have these big moments in this last film and really come together to help keep Zion to stay afloat and to keep the human race from being extinct. And then you have these questions of belief, love, um, destiny, you know, the Messiah, you have all of these str- the strong symbolism, strong religious symbolism, strong, you know, earth symbolism, artificial intelligence, you know, all these things really come together to make revolutions a somewhat a very interesting end to a trilogy. And will I say that it reaches the level of the first matrix? No, not close. Uh, is it as fun as reloaded? No, I wouldn't say that, but I would say that is, I would say this what what more could you ask for from a final film in the trilogy and you know Re- revolutions does the right thing by pretty much closing the door on it all and kind of um tying up everything in a nice little bow is it perfect no is it loud and obnoxious sometimes it is but i have a lot more respect for revolutions now than when than when it first came out very well said you know uh i i have i have very similar thoughts you know that you know, um, I, I was much the same way that when I went into this, I remembered, you know, uh, kind of kind of having, you know, a, a 
a waning like in the sense of first one was my favorite. Then I really enjoyed reloaded. And then I was kind of like, eh, I didn't really like, you know, revolutions, but I kind of felt when I rewatched it this time, I really came to a greater appreciation for it, you know, because it was, it was kind of, it was exactly as you said, you know, I appreciated the ending um, of kind of how they closed everything up, but also what I kind of appreciated too, was in, in some ways that it kind of, it kind of was a ballsy ending almost in some ways, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, especially when I first saw it, you know, you kind of expected this more traditional, Oh, they're going to defeat the machines. Oh, they're going to free all of the humans. Oh, we're going to have, you know, this, you know, really happy ending, so to speak. And we get that happy ending, but at the same time, also it's this almost subverted expectation of like how the victory is achieved. And, exactly you know what what neo does achieve in the end with the machines and so you know upon my revisiting of it i i found i enjoyed um that subversion of of expectation a little bit more with how it ended and you know i i really enjoyed i really enjoyed the religious uh, aspects of it um i really enjoyed the philosophical um but i liked that it gave a little bit of focus to to the human side and it's kind of interesting because when we get to what we liked and dislike, I have a bit of a love hate when it comes to the human side. Um, but I really enjoyed kind of seeing these extra characters. Um, there's, you know, just one that comes to mind is uh, um, I can't exactly remember his his name, but um, he's the one who's in charge of the of the battle mechs. Uh, I'll have to look up the uh, the character's name. Um, but we got to see basically this kind of like, you know, a bit of a lower level commander and like how he deals with his volunteers and it was just it was just interesting and just seeing you know the the human emotion of how they were dealing with extinction basically and so i just i really i really did enjoy that and i felt that we got we got a little bit more of the human aspect uh, versus just kind of the 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 supernatural godlike aspect even though we did get a good finale to that i felt <laughs> Yeah, um, the character you're looking for is Captain Mifun. That's yeah, yes. that's what um, his mm-hmm. yeah that's what his name was. Yeah, uh, it's yeah it's pretty interesting because it feels like this film it really it really gets seriously into what it wants to be. If you're judging from looking outside the Zion scenes, I'm not gonna lie. I think the scenes in Zion are kind of the weakest aspect of this film. Even though most of the battle of humans machines takes place in Zion, I think the parts that you get where Neo is in the um, the train station and he's in the middle between the Matrix and the machine world, and you and when you see Neo visit the Oracle and it, he kind of understands that he has to make a choice, but he doesn't know what that choice is going to be. But when the time comes, he'll know what to do. And then you have Agent Smith, who feels like the battle is already won. And he comes in and goes to the Oracle and pretty much just taunts her and tells her that by the end, of, by the end, the world will be mine. The Zions will be destroyed. And then you have the drama that is in Zion where you have these other characters. And even though it's mostly just a lot of special effects and a lot of explosions and big robot machines, there are some human aspects to the, to the area in Zion that do um, deserve mention. But for me, the climatic battle between Agent Smith and Neo, I feel like that's pretty much what the whole franchise is leading up to. It's pretty much that final solo battle between these two guys who are like one and another. They urge each other. On, they urge each other on. I like to compare Neo and Agent Smith to the Batman and Joker relationship. Mm-hmm. Is that 
they despise each other, but in somewhat inside of both of them, they they know that that's their nemesis. That is the person that really brings out everything in them. And Neo and Agent Smith are one in the same. You know, they are both powerful. Agent Smith being a robot, being a program, and Neo being this guy who is supposed to be the one, the guy who's supposed to bring the end, you know, and be the salvation for humankind. I mean, it, it's very powerful how this movie ends, but if I had to say there was one weak aspect of this, it would have to be the scenes that take place in Zion. Yes. You know, that, that was really kind of the almost like love, hate, you know, um, you know, pull that I had had with this film, you know, because as you said, you know, the, the final duel with Smith and Neo and the scenes that we get, you know, with the train, with the train man and the train station, you know, the, those matrix scenes are, are honestly, and it's why we're, we're watching this franchise, you know, it's the franchise is called the matrix. It's about this world, you know, this programmable world that's been created in the humans who are hacking it. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't particularly care for, you know, how this film really did pull you out into the human drama, even though I did enjoy aspects of it, that I did feel that I thought it was interesting how, how little time we actually spend in the matrix in revolutions. Um, yeah, I mean, I believe the, you know, the film was like two hours and 10 minutes long. And I mean, I would say maybe we spend about maybe 35, 40 minutes in the matrix, maybe total. Um, I would say give or take. And, uh, and so I, I was I was a little I was a little displeased with that aspect of it. I, I get what they were what they were going for, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, you know, we're we're here for the for the drama, like you said, between Smith and Neo, especially because, you know, when we saw what he had become in Reloaded and we saw what his end game was, you know, that's what that's what we were all in for and wanted to see. Um, and I think it was kind of interesting, too, that that, you know, in the first in the first film, you know, we're kind of shown that, oh, this is a human versus machines conflict. And the main adversary is going to be, you know, those machines in Machine City. But then it was kind of interesting that when you basically see in Reloaded, basically, that the real enemy is not actually those machines. It's Smith and it's his evolving virus that is taking over. And I really liked how they continued that in Revolutions. And so I kept kind of feeling as I'm watching it, hey, I want I want to see how this concludes. I want to see how how it's going with him. So I was a, I was a little unhappy that we kept kind of flashing back a little bit to um to the human versus machine conflict. And it was almost it was it was interesting that uh, um, in one of my columns of dislike, what I what I what I marked down was that this film was both too long and too short that um that i kind of felt like okay you know what we could shave off some of this like some of the 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 zion scenes and maybe have like a really strong you know hour and 40 minute you know um action philosophy film but then i also thought well you know what i'd actually like to see some extra scenes in the matrix some extra stuff going on in there so i was like man maybe add another 30 minutes to it <laughs> and so i was kind of going back and forth i was like oh this is one of those odd odd situations where, where i'm not sure if it was too long or too short yeah i kind of get what you mean uh you know i feel for me that most long films don't justify themselves to be long. A lot of films add in a lot of feeler, a lot of extra scenes, a lot of this extra exposition that kind of doesn't make any sense with the matrix. I do feel that there is a better version of this film where you kind of just leave the Zion 
the whole humans versus machines battle. You kind of leave that in the background, maybe show a couple of scenes of that every so often in an hour, but you leave most of the texture of this film to Neo and his journey because this is the guy that is going to end it all. So it makes a lot of sense just to keep following this guy. And, you know, if not him, then we follow Trinity. We follow Morpheus. May we get more scenes of Morpheus trying to make others believe in his belief about Neo because he still is facing doubt in this film about whether Neo is going to pan out as the one, as whether Morpheus is almost like a kooky old man who is believing in these delusions and disbeliefs. Um, there is also, you know, another version of this film where we get that Neo Agent Smith, but it's not just this battle. We get more of a extended sequence where we see them talking and having a conversation about their philosophies and what they mean to each other and, you know, what the demise of one of one is going to mean for the other one. You know, there could have been a lot more development. There could have been a lot more fixings within those certain aspects of the narrative. But I think given, you know, that it's hard for any film to follow up a film like The Matrix, you know, it's very hard for that. You know, no matter what Reload and Revolution is going to do, they were never really going to be the film that was going to topple the first Matrix. I mean, it's hard to do that. So I think with Revolutions, this is probably the best we were going to get, you know, unless there's a director's cut out there of the Revolutions and it hasn't been um, exposed yet. But yeah, I think this is the best we were going to do. And it's a good product, you know. Is it? It's not the greatest, but it's a good product. Yeah, because o- overall, I was I was satisfied with how it ended. I thought I thought it really did wrap the story that began in the first film, continued in the second. I thought it did it did a good job of that. And I was, you know, even though I disagreed with some of the aspects, you know, of where it went and some of the and you know, and in a little bit, I'll mention some of the the the, the other aspects I felt could have been done a little bit better. But that being being said, I think that it does still deliver a few moments that, you know, for me do stand up, you know, with the first and second film in some of those areas. Like, for example, you know, near the end of the final duel, um, that speech that Smith gives to to Neo, you know, where he 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 goes on saying, why do you persist? It's such a great moment. I mean, that that moment, I was just like, oh, I was like, you know, the, the this speech and this moment here, you know, goes right back to the first to the first film in a lot of ways. And I absolutely loved that moment because I felt it just it encapsulated so, so well of kind of the, the triumph of the human spirit with with Neo of just continuing on in the face of certain death and, you know, and not exactly knowing how it was going to end. And it also encapsulated, I liked the whole aspect of, of Smith of, of that he, he didn't understand humanity. He claimed that he did. And he claimed that, oh, you're a virus, you're this and that. But at the end of the day, he did not understand why Neo was continuing to fight. And I, I love what you said earlier of that kind of that Batman Joker relationship, because I think that that's very, very accurate. Um, that, you know, Neo and, and Smith are very much kind of this, this yin and yang. Um, you know, darkness and light and that Smith is almost kind of this, you know, I, I don't like to just say evil version of Neo because he, he's more than that. Um, but, you know, he's he's this, you know, this this cold logic and reasoning machine that was given a little bit of free will and given a little bit of choice, you know, from his de- first defeat in the first film. And then it's very interesting kind of seeing what this machine of coal of coldness and logic and, you know, and destruction basically does with that free will. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. Uh, you know, I feel that, you know, by the end of Revolutions, what we get with the Oracle talking with the little girl, Sadie, and asking her, you know, will we see Neo again? Because by this point, Neo is gone. He has given everything to save Zion. And the Oracle, she says, well, we'll see him, but maybe not in this world. And, you know, I try to have a seven foot wingspan reach thinking that maybe this was like a clever clue that this, that resurrections were, was going to be like introduced, but seeing how Res- resurrections has turned out, and I don't want to spoil your next episode of the podcast, but uh, it, it didn't turn out too well, but you know, I kind of, I kind of like to think that that was maybe a reminder or a, a instinctive little like quote of dialogue that lets you know that there is a chance that there is another Neo out there in the Matrix because in Reloaded they talk about how there are like so many different Neos in the Matrix. Like there's the version that we're watching Neo right now is not the only version that's out there. There are like other versions where maybe Neo succeeds, maybe he fails, maybe he dies before he gets to even say anything about the humans versus machines. So I always have thought that you could have done Matrix. After Revolutions, instead of making a new Matrix film, you probably could have did some spinoffs where you're adding more breath and more information about the world of Zion, its characters, and the maybe the beginnings of how the humans and machines first started You know, to be in conflict. I always thought that would have been interesting if they would have rent that route, but I don't know. Maybe it would have cheapened what Matrix was. I don't know, but it... It's a nice idea. No, yeah, because you know, I think I think that's very true. You know, because you know that that like you said that 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 moment at the end, you know, where they're saying like, oh, we're 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 gonna see him again, you know, and it was very it was very interesting to me because I felt like you know, revolutions did introduce these little tidbits of lore to the the whole idea of basically every iteration of the Matrix having a one, you know, having a Neo who came in. And there was elements of that that I would have loved to have seen explored, you know, like you said, in in other, you know, a TV show or, or you know, or another film, um, especially, you know, when um, I believe it's the, you know, when the Oracle is talking about, you know, um, the source, you know, and when they're saying about how, like, you know, Neo's ability to to interact and destroy the machines outside of the Matrix was due to his connection with the source. And. I was always so curious about that, you know, because I was like, oh, okay, so this indicates that Neo's creation, so to speak, is more than just, you know, his ability to interact with the Matrix, that that the machines created him with this kind of, I don't know, this kind of uh, augmented humanity, basically, maybe, um, you know, because they don't go into that in Revolutions a little bit too much of how he waves his hand and they just blow up, basically. Um and so I was always, I was always very, very curious about that. Um, and of course, you know, just after he's, he's given his all after he's given his life, you know, to save humanity, you know, we see the the machines taking his body off, you know, and, and I remember when I first saw the film all those years ago, you know, m- my imagination was going like, Oh, where are they taking him? You know, okay, are we going to get like matrix four now? What, what's going to happen? Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I haven't seen uh, Resurrections yet, but um, I, I've definitely heard uh, it's a bit polarizing. I have heard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, when you get to that, just pay attention to how they explain how Neo is able to even be back in another Matrix film. Just pay attention to how they bring him back. And it has a lot to do with Revolutions. And I don't know whether you'll like it or not, but for me, I thought it was very contrived and 
almost in the same way of how um in Fast Nine, Mister Mister Um Nobody brings back Han in that film. It's kind of like the same way of what they do in Resurrections, but. I'll leave you to be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is funny because I've been, I've been, yeah, because I've, I've been looking on social media and just reading, you know, uh, people's reviews on it and stuff. And, and it, it's definitely interesting because, you know, I've, I've definitely heard a few people who have been like, oh, I loved it. It was, it was amazing. It was great. Other people were like, eh, it was all right. Other people were like, okay, this could have been better. Um, you know, and, uh, um, you know, it, it's kind of funny because I, I did hear and I don't know any of the context of it, but I, I know that one person mentioned that there's actually like a moment in Resurrections where they're actually like poking fun at Warner Brothers demanding another Matrix uh, product. And so I was like, OK, this is going to yeah. be interesting. So, <laughs> um, you know, but uh, but yeah, you know, you know, there there was one there was one aspect that I did. I did want to ask your opinion on of what you thought that it was one area of revolutions that I did. I, I didn't dislike what happened, but I, I didn't particularly care for the way it was done. And that was uh, Trinity's death. Um, you know, that I, I kind of feel like her, I, I kind of, you know, knew that her death had to happen in this film, especially because, you know, because, you know, Neo was obviously moving towards, you know, the ultimate sacrifice. And so it made sense that she also would, would die. Um, I was a bit disappointed with how that happened uh, in the film because because I was I was hoping for I don't know I don't, I don't want to say something a bit more bombastic or anything like that um, but I guess with the whole with how much emphasis Reloaded had put on their relationship and kind of their their epic love for each other and how it almost you know how it'd been seen of it transcending death you know of how it's their love that brings Neo back in the first one and it, then it's you know, Neo's, you know, love for her that, you know, makes that fuels his decision when he's talking with the architect. And so seeing, you know, as that we had seen all of that, you know, elements to it, I was a bit disappointed with with how they went with 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 her death. It felt so I don't know, I don't want to say pointless. Um, but I don't know, I just felt like it could have possibly narratively been done a little bit better. But I wanted to ask your opinion on that. <laughs> I was actually shocked when I rewatched this film and I realized that Trinity did um, die. I actually have forgotten that she had um, passed away in this film. But when it comes to your point about how it is um, played out, um, I do kind of agree with you that it does play out just a little bit. It, it almost feels like the film kind of like throws away the, what should have been a bigger emotional anguishing moment like this is trinity she's been since she's been with us since the beginning you know she outside of neo is an important character she's a strong female character she has her own agency and there are times where she has come to the help of neo and other characters so she's very important but when revolutions it's almost like she is a background character you know it's almost like that she is um she was very important and she meant something in the first two films. And then with this one, by the end, it's almost like, yeah, we got to go ahead and um, get rid of her. You know, we got to we got to use her as a way to spurn Neo to um, finish his journey, to um, achieve his destiny. And I did have a I did have a little bit of a problem with that. I do understand um, narrative wise why she would die. 
I mean, it, it's been since the beginning of time that often female characters are used for the service of male characters. And oftentimes to get a male character to rise up or to achieve something insurmountable, something traumatic and painful has to happen to him. And so most of the time, female characters are written just to like, oh, well, this this female got hurt. She got assaulted. She got beaten up or she was killed and she died. And either the character, the male character goes off off the cliff and just goes crazy and doesn't care anymore or the character finds that last bit of strength to achieve what he has set out to achieve and that's what it felt like trinity's death was in revolutions and that is one of the aspects of the film i was not a huge fan of no i I definitely i definitely agree that you know for for a trilogy and especially a third you know um a third film in (laughs) said trilogy that was kind of aiming for that subverted expectations for kind of saying like, okay, we're going to take something that you expect and we're going to turn, you know, narrative tropes on their head, you know, that, uh, that we're going to say, okay, you know, especially in reloaded, Hey, Neo's the one. Oh, Hey, by the way, there was six others of him. You know, <laughs> It's like, you know, and how they, how they turn all those aspects on their head to kind of see that not turned on its head. I would have really liked to have seen what you mentioned of how these, you know, female characters that are used in service of of you know pushing the male character forward i would have loved to have seen some type of subversion of that um in this third one you know despite the fact that okay yeah you know her death kind of was written on the wall in the sense that it kind of needed to happen i don't know i i think that you know there is possibly a, a better a better way for that maybe maybe to have happened um i don't know maybe even her staying behind in zion you know and and dying you know heroically in that in that sense i'm not sure um so, you know, we've uh, we've chatted, you know, about, you know, we've chatted about, you know, the, um, you know, the the different elements of this film, the the characters and, you know, the human element and uh, and stuff. You know, I, I, w- I would like to chat, you know, um, you know, as we as we uh, kind of roll to the end here, I'd like to chat a little bit about the the filmmaking aspects of it. And, you know, just kind of like, you know, what did you what did you think about, you know, because, you know, the Matrix films have been known for, you know, obviously, you know, what we've mentioned before, you know, bullet time and you know, bringing this sort of like Hong Kong action, action film uh, element to Western audiences um, and in the fight choreography and such. And so uh, how did you feel about how the, the third film Revolutions was made? Like, how did you feel about the filmmaking aspect of it in comparison to the other two? So for the filmmaking aspect, there are a lot of there, the mostly the cinematography, I would say is very dark it's grim. It really fits into the mood of us not knowing whether Zion is going to be saved. Will this be the end of the human race? You know, what happens to Neo? What happens to all of these heroes that we're following? So that is one good thing that adds to the mood. The other thing is there's not really a lot of sequences that I would say are memorable. Um, the one thing I can give credit to The Matrix Reloaded, you know, it may not be the best film, but it does have that freeway chase oh, sequence. <laughs> you know, it, 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 you know, it does have, it does have the moment where the two trucks collided then blow up. You know, it has like some incredible moments in that film. But for Major Revolutions, I wouldn't say there aren't any incredible moments. If there is a notable moment, it's the Neo and Agent Smith fight. That for me is the best scene in this whole film. Like the way that it is shot, you know, with the rain, with the uh, the big, it has a really big scope about it. You see all of these Agent Smith that are lined up on both sides watching this fight. They're like an audience. Then you have Neo and Agent Smith when they run towards each other and just collide. And it's like a big engulfing 
raindrop that just burst open. I love that. I love all of that. And that it, it kind of saves the film for me, filmmaking-wise, because it's not really anything exciting. It, it feels like the Wachowskis, maybe they were kind of getting tired. Maybe they were just ready to end it. But there's not nothing vibrant about the revolutions from a filmmaking standpoint. The score is still great. I still love the score. Um, the use of green in the frames really adds to the sense that we are stuck in this dystopian world. Um, the costume design is, uh, is, is okay. Um, the robots that we see in Zion, I mean, they look nice, but they haven't aged all that well. Most of the special effects in this film haven't aged, but I don't really give a black mark for that because for the time, this was really pushing the cinematic medium forward. Uh, so if I could give this film a grade from a filmmaking sense, I would say it would be a C, I would say. Uh, I think the story is more impressive than what we get um, from a directorial standpoint. No, I definitely would agree with you, you know, that, um, you know, as you said, you know, that Reloaded, you know, for all of its flaws, you know, that it did, it does have, you know, some of its action scenes were incredible. You know, the the freeway scene, the uh, the chateau, you know, fight scene, you know, there's there's elements that people, you know, pull out. They're like, hey, I remember that. And, you know, the, with Revolutions, you know, there wasn't a lot of memorable moments, as you said, um, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, that that final fight is incredible. Like I you know, I, I absolutely loved it. And, you know, the, as you said, the score, you know, especially the score during the, during the final fight, you know, that, uh, that, that the chorus, you know, it's just, it's amazing. You know, it really adds that huge bombastic epic feel to it. You know, that this is, you know, a clash of the Titans, so to speak. Um, and, um, you know, and I, I really did enjoy the, the use of water in the, in the final climactic moments you know, that, that huge, as you mentioned, that, that giant raindrop, you know, that pops, you know, was just really cool. And, um, you know, and cause we always kind of see, you know, uh, rain, you know, being used in the matrix. And I just loved how they basically took that and added it tenfold basically. And just made it, it was just pouring rain, flooding everywhere. Um, I thought that was, that was really well done. Um, and I do think that, uh, that, you know, I don't know, I'd have to look, I don't know if, if, uh, uh, reloaded and revolutions if they were filmed back to back i'm assuming maybe they were um so i'm not 100 percent sure i'd have to i'd have to look that up but um but i do feel like perhaps you know <laughs> they were as you said maybe getting a bit tired especially if these films were filmed back to back because you have i mean possibly you know what would this be you know almost you know maybe nine month shoot uh going on possibly so you know so un unfortunately it, it isn't all that memorable um when it comes to the filmmaking aspect um but, you know, I did enjoy uh, elements of the the um, the dock uh, fight scene between the the APUs and the machines. I did enjoy elements of that. It kind of really um, it kind of brought back some uh, memories. Um, I don't know if you remember uh, remember these. Uh, you might be a bit too young. Uh, but the uh, the whole mech warrior um, <laughs> video games from the 90s, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I am too young for that. You're yeah. right. <laughs> you know, I used to play a bit of that, you know, when I was uh, when I was growing up. And so I, I have to admit, you know, when, when those APUs came out, I was like, oh, man, this is like mech warrior. You know? <laughs> so so I, I did enjoy elements of that. But that was a bit of nostalgia uh, for me. Um, not so much uh, <laughs> excellence in filmmaking. Um you know, but uh, but, you know, um, as we as we kind of um, close up here, 
you know, what would you say would be your your final um, uh, two things here? Uh, what would be your your final ranking of the uh, Matrix films? And feel free to include uh, Resurrections as well, since you've seen it, um, you know, kind of include that in your in your four film ranking. And then what uh, star rating would you give uh, Revolutions? So for me, this is what my conclusive ranking is after seeing Resurrections. It's number one, The Matrix. Easy. Um, one of the best action films ever made. A pure classic. Uh, can't be topped. Uh, it, it'll it'll be playing. It'll be playing for many people, millions of people everywhere, even when we're gone. So Matrix is number one. Um, two number two is very tricky very tricky i've been going back and forth on this between reloaded and revolutions and i would say if i had to choose i would give it to revolutions revolutions would be my number two then for number three i would go with reloaded reloaded like i say from a blockbuster popcorn standpoint it is amazing like honestly when i was 12 years old i thought it was like one of the greatest films ever made just because of how action-packed it was but now seeing it I can see that it's definitely a film that is very mainstream and definitely trying to go away. And it didn't put a bit emphasis on the story like the first Matrix did. It was definitely trying to go with a more entertaining standpoint, which nothing wrong with that, but something that um, is more obvious when you watch it now. And last place, unceremoniously and but and disappointingly, is Resurrections. Uh, it's... It's honestly a film I wish never got made. Like I, I wish that instead of being resurrected, it should have been stay, stay buried, like <laughs> keeping it in the ground, six feet under, whatever. But it, it's a film that is stuck living in the past. It lives off of the legacy of the other three films, but doesn't do anything new with it. It doesn't push anything forward. And part of me wonders if it be, is it wasn't because it was only Lana doing the writing for this and directing. Was it because um you know the other Wachowski sister was not involved? Was it because Warner Brothers was looking to make a quick buck and they knew they could by just bringing back Keanu and bringing back Carrie Ann Moss and bringing in a new Morpheus and bringing in all these new characters and just putting some gloss over it and just pretty much resting on their laurels? That's pretty much what Resurrection is in a nutshell. So Resurrection would easily be last place. Um, my rating, uh, my rating for Matrix, I used to have it at a five star, but it's a really, really great four-star film. I would put it at four stars. Matrix Revolutions would be three and a half for me. Matrix Reloaded would be three star. And Matrix Resurrections would be two. And if it was on a, it caught me on a bad day, it would have been a one star. <laughs> but it's a two star. So. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Man. Okay, so I would say you know it was it was a bit it was a bit difficult for me to uh, to come up with the. Uh, with you know kind of the ranking and and star rating myself um but let me uh pull up here my uh my letterbox app closed here so i have to uh just scroll back down to <laughs> to my uh my ratings here for him so i would say um when it comes to the you know i haven't seen uh, resurrections yet so um so i'll just be be ranking the the original trilogy uh, but um number one is a hundred percent uh the matrix the first film um, you know, it's, it's a spectacular action film. It gives us really interesting theological and philosophical ideas to ponder. And once the credits roll, you're still thinking about them and it still functions really well as a standalone movie as well. Like, it, you know, you don't feel like you need to see the other ones, uh, you want to see them, but it still tells its own encapsulated story very well. 
uh, and you know, uh, I did, you know, martial arts back in high school and early college. So I absolutely loved watching the choreography of those fight scenes. It was just, it was incredible. So I ended up, uh, I gave it, uh, one of my rare five stars, but I did give it a five star uh, rating for that one. Uh, then, uh, when it comes to, to, to number two, it was tough for me, you know, because I thought at first I had I had it. But then, you know, when I when I uh, rewatched these, I was like, oh, man, it's tough because, you know, Revol- Revolutions has its flaws, you know, Reloaded has its flaws. But then they both have moments that really do bring bring me back. And even though even though I was feeling, you know, not feeling Revolutions all that much, you know, that that just banging, you know, third act fight between Neo and Smith and Smith's, you know, speech just really did bring me back. But at the end of the day, I think I have to go with for my second one would be uh, the Matrix Reloaded for number two, Um, because at the end, I I adore the action scenes. I think just, you know, uh, the action scenes are spectacular. Um, and also I just really enjoy the, uh, the conversation at the end between, uh, Neo and the architect. I just think is, even though the film is problematic and a bit messy, uh, as you mentioned, um, before, I really just love that conversation at the end. And also the conversation with Neo and the Oracle too, in the courtyard. And I think that those two moments just really do cement the film and just, raise it very slightly above uh, revolutions for me. Um, so, you know, uh, due to a bit of nostalgia, I ended up giving uh, a reloaded uh, four stars. In reality, I think it is lower than that, but my nostalgia <laughs> uh, uh, had me give it a, a four star rating. Um, and then, of course, uh, kind of uh, anticlimactically, uh, my third one is revolutions. Um, and I want to say, you know, with that, revolutions and reloaded my two and three were so very close because it was very difficult because i i did really enjoy uh what um revolutions did do even if it didn't do all of it well i still did uh enjoy the conclusion to the story and so i ended up i gave uh revolutions a three and a half star um to it and uh and i think that had that final those final moments with uh with smith and neo not been uh done quite as well i think probably it would have been a a little bit lower uh than that three and a half stars um but i think three and a half stars is 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 fair for that um and for how it concluded the uh the trilogy um i'm very curious now to see uh resurrections and um I am looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I hope I like it, but honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure because there's, there's definitely some other critics and and people, you know, like yourself who, who, whose opinion I trust who haven't been, uh, haven't been too thrilled with it. So. Hey man, you know, just go in there with a clear head and give it a shot. I mean, I've seen some people, you know, outside of, you know, where I'm at that have, glowing have called it have given it glowing reviews and have said that it's one of their favorite blockbusters of the decade and that it really goes deep and but i mean i don't know i don't know where i'm missing where they're seeing it goes deep (laughs) but i mean there are a lot of people who are out here who are loving this film and so i can't discredit them but you know if we're speaking in all honesty i mean when you watch it you'll understand what i mean they should have never even thought about doing a resurrection they should just let this whole series alone if you're going to do something in the matrix, do a spinoff or, you know, do something, do something else other than just what resurrections achieves. So, 
Yeah, because you know, because it's interesting because uh, you know there's been a little bit of a uh, of um of a uh, conflicting information going on, but I know like uh, the other day, I want to say the 27th, you know, Deadline published an article where they claimed that a fifth Matrix film was in the works, um, you know, and then of course some of the producers of Resurrections Ugh. have said that that they didn't have plans for a sequel, but of course the plans of a film's producers are different from a studio executive's plans, um, mm-hmm. and you know, and so it's like. You know, I, I love the world of the Matrix, you know, so automatically I feel like, OK, yeah, I would be interested in a fifth film. You know, that being said, you know, I, I do think and I would honestly I would stand by this even if I love, you know, even if I come out of, you know, Resurrection saying like, hey, I love this film. I think it was fantastic. I do hope that if they do a fifth film, I do hope that maybe they hand it over to some fresh blood. Um, and that's not any sort of a knock, you know, on, uh, on Lana or Lily at all. Um, you know, because, you know, they delivered one of the greatest blockbusters of all time in the matrix. Um, you know, but I think sometimes, you know, once you've kind of hit, you know, you know, your third and fourth film in a franchise, if you're going to continue it, I would love to see, you know, maybe like, you know, an exciting new voice, you know, in direction, maybe come on board, you know, to, to write and create this new story. And whether that includes, you know, Keanu Reeves, you know, and Carrie Ann Moss, or if it's new characters or whatever, you know, I, I do kind of hope that maybe we, we get some, some, uh, some new talent and new vision in there. Oh yes. This, um, this series definitely needs new lifeblood. It does. Um, I, I don't know what form that takes in, but I mean, anything would be welcoming. Anything different, new ideas, like adding some, um, adding some um, dexterity to this story. I mean, because there is so much about the Matrix that you can flesh out. There are so many areas where you can take it. I mean, because the Matrix is based on almost like VR, like augmented reality in a sense. There's so many things you can do, especially now with the way that technology has gained and has risen to like more like realistic height since the 90s i mean yes there there is a place where there could be good matrix films and there can be a plethora of matrix stories that whether that's in theaters or on a streaming service there's a place for it you know it's just you just have to, you just have to get people in there that really care about it and that are going to do right by it and not looking at it at a, as a cash cow no, I 100% agree, you know, because I think that the world is is large enough, you know, and um, to explore whether it's in the future, you know, of the Matrix or going back to the past, as you mentioned, you know, with maybe some of the earlier days of the war. I know that uh, Warner Brothers at one point was talking about like a young Morpheus uh, film, you know, about like, you know, kind of when the uh, roundabouts when the war started. And I don't know that that might be interesting. I'm not sure. Um but but yeah, I think, you know, hopefully, hopefully some 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 fresh blood in there, um, you know, and I don't know, you know, I, you know, finding, you know, as much as I love Keanu Reeves and I'm always on board for anything that he wants to do. And so part of me wants to be like, oh, of course, he needs to come back for another Matrix film. But at the same time, you know, finding maybe a fresh new talent out there, you know, to come in and, and lead a new film might be kind of kind of exciting. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, just gotta find, just fi- gotta find the right people. Yeah, um, you know, and and not worry about getting somebody off name recognition. Just get the best person for the job. You know, a hundred percent. You know, and I, I think a lot of a lot of blockbusters and a lot of movies sometimes falter. I think with trying to find you know, somebody with name recognition, because, you know, even though they say, you know, and a lot of people say like, Hey, the movie star is dead, you know, that people aren't going to see, you know, movie stars. 
I don't I, I disagree with that statement, like where, where movie stars aren't necessarily opening films as much anymore. People definitely go and see a movie because they want to see, you know, who the headliner is, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if the uh, the Jack Reacher TV show is as popular as the first <laughs> Tom Cruise movie was because people went to see, you know, Tom Cruise, you know, kick ass. And so, you mm-hmm. know, so, you know, so I, I think that that definitely, you know, is true. But at the same time, I love to see that that fresh talent come in. Um, you know, I, I remember, I'll never forget, you know, when Michael B. Jordan first, you know, exploded on the scene, you know, this, this, this fantastic actor no one had ever heard of, you know, Fruitville Station and stuff. Um, so I don't know, I, I always love to see that happen. So, so I'm, I'm kind of of the sense, you know, that I feel like the Matrix's future is probably on HBO Max, um, you know, because, you know, Resurrections isn't doing I don't know. It's not doing too well at the box office, but it hasn't released mm-hmm. in China yet. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how well that does. But but, you know, when you look at the HBO Max numbers so far, it's been doing pretty well. It opened to almost three million, you know, over the weekend. And, you know, I'm sure in the next 30 days, you know, it'll probably do very well. So I don't know. I think the future might be on there. And so in that case, you know, I just say, you know, find find a find a, a cool, you know, young actor who no one's ever heard of, you know, who's done a, gr- a great job and a cool new director. And, you know, let's see what happens. Yeah, people have to understand that if you if your stories are just now finding a home and they're being released on a streaming service, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think streaming services now, they allow a lot more people to have more eyes towards something. I mean, imagine that you have another major film released in theaters. Now, what if this pandemic gets worse? Well, then you're not going to have anybody in theaters who is going to see that. But if you release this on HBO Max, then of course you're going to get a lot more eyes to it. You're going to get a lot more people who wouldn't necessarily go and see it and spend money for it. They'll gladly, they'll gladly stay at home and watch this. So yes, you know, I would love to see if the matrix, if more matrix related projects are released, whether that's a TV form, TV show form, or whether that's a a streaming movie. Hey, I'm, I'm all for it. And you know, that doesn't mean that the quality is going to get lessened necessarily. It's just all about finding a new home and just, um, you know, getting more comfortable with how new times are, you know, I don't think, I don't even think the Resurrections really needed necessarily to be released in a theater. I mean, it's not really, uh, I saw it on my OLED at home, but it's not really something that I think would be enhanced by going to watch it in theaters, honestly. So, no, you know, I, I'm much the same way. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be watching it here at home you know, on, on HBO max. And, you know, cause uh, it's, you know, it, like you said, it's, it's just, it's kind of a different world now, you know, with the whole pandemic stuff and just, you know, of, you know, of if, if and when people are coming back to theaters and, um, you know, and we've definitely seen a, a pushback, you know, with, a with a no way home, you know, and I was very happy to see how well that film did. Um, you know, cause that was, it was nice to see, uh, see theaters get a little bit of extra coin after everything they've been through the last year and a half. Um, you know, but we'll see, we'll see if, if the world of theaters continues though, because, you know, we're, we're not going to always have a no way home, you know, scenario, yeah. you know, and unfortunately I, I, you know, I was sad seeing a lot of the smaller films like nightmare alley, you know, just being completely shut out, you know, and stuff. And, so, you know, I haven't seen Nightmare Alley yet, but I've been hearing amazing things. And so I was like, you know, I, I really wanted to, to see, you know, a, a period film set in the 1930s and 40s. I was like, man, I want this film to do well. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, so I don't know, you know, we'll, we'll see how everything turns out. But uh, but like you said, you know, just because something has to go to streaming doesn't necessarily mean the quality 
uh, uh, has to be lower. You know, it can be, you know, we've seen Roma, you know, <laughs> on Netflix and such. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you know, well, you know, uh, uh, I appreciate you coming on. You know, I think this is a very interesting conversation, you know, looking at this, uh, at this film and uh, I appreciated all of your, uh, all of your thoughts on it. And it was, it was fun talking with somebody who, who, who did enjoy it, you know, cause uh, unfortunately I don't find a huge amount of people who <laughs> like, re- who like revolutions. And so it, it was nice uh, chatting with somebody who, uh, who, who appreciated what it was trying to do, even if it didn't quite do all of it as well as we hoped. Yeah, uh, I agree, man. I enjoyed having this conversation. You know, um, The Matrix, like I said, is always a film that's going to spark a conversation no matter what, good or bad. So, I mean, hey, what better what better film series can you talk can you not talk about other than The Matrix? Maybe Lord of the Rings. Uh, I mean, Twilight, if that's your thing, maybe. <laughs> but <I mean. laughs> you know that's that's very true you know and uh i i'm waiting i'm 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 expecting an announcement at some point for for uh you know twilight resurrections you know it's like you know oh yeah yeah i mean i remember you know i think twilight was a thing of its era because that was like the craze for you know fiction for fiction and books you know you had twilight you had 50 shades of gray you had all these books coming out at that moment and i remember when the twilight films came out in theaters i mean every time they would it was all it was always you know a lot of people going to the theaters watching it It was what everybody was talking about now by the end you could definitely tell that there was some fatigue with twilight and people were ready for it to be done and i'm not gonna lie they're not they're not good movies i mean <laughs> it, i'm just gonna be honest with you they're not good movies uh they they are definitely a guilty pleasure and you know they appease they're really set for one audience teenage girls you know team edward team jacob uh, you know so you know it, it, it's it's so true you know when it comes to those guilty pleasures you know that that's how i felt when i was watching a red, red notice on netflix you know i was like i was oh. like this is not a good movie at all but you know what i would be lying if i wasn't saying that i was i wasn't laughing and that i didn't have a good time you know i was mm-hmm. like i really enjoyed myself watching that movie even even though if it was it was complete and utter utter schlock you know it's like you know <laughs> oh so you know it, it it is funny to uh to you know to to see that but i but i agree with you you know it's like i think with the with the matrix it's going to be one of those one of those quadrilogies now um that will be discussed for for decades you know and i'm sure if podcasts are still around in the next 40 years i'm sure there's going to be two other guys talking about it you know again you know uh 40 years from now <laughs> you know um and i think that that's the sign of of you know, of a good franchise, you know, even if it does have its flaws and even if it does falter at certain points later on, you know, if you're, if you're still talking about it after a long time, like we are, I think that, that, that shows that there is some, some good stuff there. Um, you know, so where can, uh, where can our, our listeners, you know, uh, follow your work or, uh, or see uh, what you're up to? Uh, well, if you want to follow me, anything that I'm watching or possibly reviewing, you can follow me on letterbox.com. Under the alias Black Nerd Magic, you can follow me on Facebook um, under my real name, Kales Davis, and that's spelled C-A-L-E-S-S. I'm always posting here and there about films I'm watching, series I'm 
possibly taking on or TV shows that I'm currently trying to binge through. And also check me out in um, the Feeling Film Discussion Facebook group. We have an awesome group where we welcome anybody. We welcome hot takes. You know, um, our friend Byron right here has a lot of hot takes <laughs> that uh, that we, uh, we, we try to dissect and understand in the group. But hey, if you love film, you got a passion and you want to discuss anything, come to the Feeling Film Discussion Facebook group. It's definitely a good time so no, and I, I can definitely echo that 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 group is a lot of fun you know it has a, a, a lot of great people in it and it's very welcoming and it, it's, it's 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 a great time you know discussing discussing film you know and and it is true you know about my hot takes you know because uh i i i'm going to be delivering another one soon with my uh, best films of 2021 so it's going to cause some discussion <laughs> so <laughs> oh man <laughs> Uh, well, like I said, I appreciate again, uh, you know, you coming on and, uh, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to our audience, uh, hearing our conversation. Hey man, I am as well. Oh, all right, man. Well, well, thanks again for, for coming on. All right. Hey, thank you for having me, man. This is great.